Good morning. Oh, you guys are more awake than I am. I usually attend an 11 o'clock service, so this is uh, a little difficult for me. Uh, my name is Andrew Sohn again. Um, I've worshipped here at St. John for the past 14 years since my family and I moved to the Prospect area from Tennessee. Um, for the past three years, I've had the privilege to um, participate and lead our church mission trip to the uh, Dominican Republic. Um, this is a week-long international trip that takes place over Oldham County's spring break. We serve and experience God at work um, in the DR by feeding, playing, caring, and building relationships with the Dominican people through Go Ministries. If you would like to learn more about attending the next trip to the DR, um, please feel free to contact me or the church office. Uh, we've just begun the planning phases, so uh, we won't really get kicked off until December, so there's plenty of time. Um, please consider uh, prayerfully as to how you and your family can benefit and just grow from God's um, blessings in the DR. Um, today, I have the honor and privilege, uh, privilege of introducing Will Parton, our guest speaker. Um, Will doesn't need an introduction here at this church. He grew up right here at St. John, and many of you probably know him better than I do. Um, I'm sure you can share some stories about Will and his siblings uh, running around and getting into a bunch of havoc right here in this same building right here. So, um, but we'll save those stories for another day. Um, Will and his wife, Audrey, have served as missionaries for Go Ministries the past 15 years. Um, his roles grew from sports director to planning and building the 24-acre Leadership Development Center in the DR. Um, he continues to faithfully serve Christ in his new role as Vice President of Go Ministries, which has brought him and his family back to Kentucky. Um, the first time I met Will, he was speaking from the pulpits, serving in a capacity much similar to what he's doing today. Um, what stood out to me and became a stepping stone into our friendship was his love for Christ, his thirst for God's word, and his willingness to serve and follow Holy Spirit's guidance wherever it led him and his family. I anxiously await the message that God has for us through Will today. Please join me in welcoming my friend and brother in Christ and welcoming home Will Parton. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Andrew, uh, for the introduction, and thank you so much for faithfully leading trips to the Dominican. Uh, it's such a blessing for our staff and our ministry to have St. John come down and serve uh, on a regular basis. We sure did miss you guys and the other 70 teams we didn't get to host this year, so we look forward to, to next year. Um, as Andrew said, I grew up in this church. Uh, my family moved to Louisville from Southern California uh, back in 1989, so St. John has been uh, just instrumental in my spiritual growth and helping us find community uh, just within the church. And so this is my family, my current family, uh, my wife, Audrey, and our three girls, Ruby, June, and Georgia. Uh, and so for those of you who uh, may not know us, this is, this is our crew. And so uh, we have spent the last year transitioning back to, to Louisville, Kentucky, as Andrew mentioned, um, which has been an, an interesting transition for us because we spent the last 14 years living in Santiago. Uh, but we are thankful to be here uh, today. And I just want to encourage you all as a church uh, to continue praying for Tom's leadership. Uh, leading during this time, this unique time, 
uh, is not easy. Uh, we have several relationships with many pastors and churches all over the country, and uh, this is a tough time to be a pastor leading a church. Not that the other times are super easy, but this is especially difficult uh, as you lead people back into meeting face-to-face and encouraging people in their journey uh, in such a, a difficult time. So uh, thank you, Tom, for, for the way that you're leading, and thanks for allowing me to be here today. Um, I just want to give a, a quick kind of brief overview of our experience in missions. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I was going into my senior year of high school, I was 17 years old. My entire world was basketball. Uh, I loved playing ball. And I'd been in the church for pretty much my entire life, but the two had never really intersected. And so going into my senior year of high school, my basketball coach at Ballard High School uh, was coming into his first year as our coach, and he wanted to get myself and another senior kind of on the same page. So he took us to the Dominican Republic for the first time to go on a mission trip. We were there for about 10 days, and we were hosting a basketball camp for underprivileged kids in Santiago. Uh, and it was at that moment during that week that I was introduced to missions uh, in a way that really deeply impacted my life. So much so that I wasn't sure what in the world to do with all the feelings that were passing through my heart and my mind during that time. And so I went away to college. And uh, the Dominican continued to be a part of my life. And I met Audrey uh, in college, and I knew that I was falling in love with her, and I knew I had a deep love for missions. And so I wanted those two to collide as well. And so we went on a mission trip together. And it was there that we started to explore the idea uh, that this might be something that we want to pursue uh, at some point in our life. And so I spent two years coaching basketball at Indiana Wesleyan University up in Marion, Indiana. And I was going to the college church at that time, and uh, Pastor Steve Deneff was the pastor up there, and he dedicated a month of, of services to bringing in people that were serving out in the world and experiencing God move in incredible ways. And I remember when he was doing that sermon series, I would show up every Sunday with my jaw just to the ground of what God was doing through ordinary people across the world. I remember he brought in someone who had responded to the tsunami and was there doing relief work. Uh, he brought in someone who was running an orphanage in Africa. And each time that, that these individuals would speak, I just remember being captivated, which was super strange for me because I don't have an adventurous bone in my body. I am, I'm a homebody. My mom even thought that I was gonna spend the rest of my life in the basement. And I was quite sure that she was right. And so uh, God was, was stirring something in my heart during that time. And it wasn't something that I was necessarily prepared for. Uh, but I called Audrey, and she was finishing school down in Tennessee, and I said, listen, you know, I, I feel like God is stirring my heart towards something like this. Are you, are you in for this? Would you be interested in, in pursuing this as our life? And um, I, she said yes. And then I said, well, let's get married. And so we, uh, we got married, and six weeks later moved to Santiago, Dominican Republic. Um, we joined Go Ministries uh, because we fell in love with uh, their vision the vision of Go, it is to empower local leaders to redeem people, renew communities, and restore creation through mutual transformation. And in our time in the Dominican, before we joined staff, we had seen that happening. We had seen pastors that were being empowered to love their communities for the sake of the gospel. We had seen underprivileged kids who uh, were being loved on by those same pastors as well in their community. So we were seeing the church at work, and we wanted to go to where God was moving uh, some of the things that we encountered in our 14 years of ministry uh, were pretty unbelievable, uh, to be honest with you. And it's tempting to want to be able to tell all of those stories and spend our time doing that, but I'm not going to do that today. But I do remember uh, when the earthquake hit Haiti uh, and the way that God just opened up doors for us to serve in ways that I never dreamed of, to be able to bring medical care and food and water uh, to a hurting nation uh, that was in desperate need. Uh, 
We've been involved in seeing people baptized and overcome addiction. Uh, we've been involved in stepping into, uh, in the middle of, of drug deals in the neighborhoods that we're living in and stopping uh, sex trafficking from taking place. These have been things that I remember as I sat in that church up in Marion, Indiana, thinking, I want to be a part of this stuff. And so we were fortunate and privileged to be a part of a team that stepped into those things for the sake of the kingdom. But that's not what I want to talk about today. Uh, sometimes missions can be romanticized. Uh, it can be misunderstood. It can seem like something that is often a faraway land that's taking place only with those that decide to pack their bags and take off and go live in a different culture. It can be made to be about the adventure or the cool story of an unfamiliar culture. And we can make, mistakenly assume that the responsibility to transform people is our responsibility when the reality is that only God can transform the hearts of his children. It can also be overwhelming to think about what it looks like to be involved in missions. And then we might, be able to, we might think that we can pull ourselves out of that and say, well, that's for a certain group of people, but I, don't, I can't participate in that. So my attempt this morning is to bring something that may seem like that's taking off in a faraway land and bring it back home to our hearts and to the seats of this church. I love this series of Inside Out. I think that the message uh, that, that you guys have been bringing over the last several weeks is just so good and pertinent to the church, is that we are designed to be filled up to go out. So there's three things uh, that I want to talk about this morning. The first one is that we're in a covenantal relationship with God. We're in a covenantal relationship with God. The second is the condition of every covenant is faith. And then the third is the reassurance that God sent his Holy Spirit to be with us on this journey. So I believe that it's important to understand what a covenant is and how it works. Here's how a covenant has always worked with God. A covenant or a testament is basically an agreement between two parties. The rules were simple. The first, the greater of the two parties established the conditions. The second, these conditions specified the rewards if the contract was kept and the punishment if it was broken. And then third, the covenant was typically ratified by a blood sacrifice showing just how serious this covenant was. The two most important covenants in the Bible make up the Old and New Testaments. The first came through Moses and the second through Jesus. The Old Testament includes four other major covenants that were made with Adam, Noah, Abraham, and David. But this morning, I want to take a look at just two covenants. It's the one that was made with Abraham and then the one that comes through Jesus. When we look at the covenant with Abraham, it helps us further understand our own covenant in Christ. In Genesis 12, God made this promise to Abraham. He said, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. It wasn't just a blessing that Abraham was going to receive. He said, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families on the earth shall be blessed. In that last sentence of this covenant, it's guaranteed that Abraham's offspring would have a global impact. The question is how? Most of the Jewish rabbis understood the promise to mean that nations who adopt Israel, who came to her and repented, would be blessed because of their conversion. It was an inward-focused perspective on religion. Come to Israel, become Israel, and you'll be blessed with Israel. But there were some rabbis, however, that included Jesus, who understood the promise of Abraham to be outward-focused. 
Outsiders don't come to us, but we are to go to them. The earth would be blessed because we leave our homes to go where God leads us and to say what God has said and laid upon our hearts. This act of extending the fame of our God would result in the inclusion of all cultures, not the protection of just one single culture. This is the concept of this series, Inside Out. God was laying, even then, God was laying out his redemption plan and inviting his creation to be a part of it, which is also our story today. And then the, 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 the new covenant through Jesus. In Jeremiah 31, 33, 34, the prophet Jeremiah speaks of the new covenant to come. He says this, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall, they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So what's the result when this comes to fruition? Because of Jesus, we are in a covenantal relationship with God because of that new covenant. The new covenant involves three things. A personal relationship with the Father, forgiveness of sins through the sacrifice of the Son, the law of God in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. This implies both responsibility and community, which involves this idea of being a missionary. God calls us to be a part of a nation, a heritage, a people. We know it as the church, but it's bigger than that. We're members of a global enterprise, a kingdom that spans every time zone and every era. The lineage of the kingdom goes back to our father Abraham, who is an example of faith for us. Like all major divine human covenants, the new covenant is focused on God's creative and redemptive goal. Each covenant provides further divine assurance that God will realize his purpose for creation in general and in humanity, in particular by, full, by fully establishing his kingdom here on earth. So it's not just limited, this new covenant is not just limited to our personal gain, but it's about his kingdom here on earth. So when we understand this covenant, we can begin to see that we as believers and members of the global church are called to be a part of it. And I believe that the foundation of this redemptive mission comes from when Jesus taught his disciples to pray the prayer that we just prayed, the Lord's Prayer. As you all know, in that prayer, it begins like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is the desire of God's heart for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does that mean? How are things done in heaven? Jesus spends a lot of his time teaching about the kingdom of heaven. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew alone, this phrase kingdom of heaven appears 32 different times. In Matthew 13, 24, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. We understand that there will be believers and unbelievers that live among us until he returns and then God ultimately will be the judge. It's not our responsibility. Matthew 13, 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Although things start small, they will bear great fruit for eternity. And you're going to see the, the, the theme here. Matthew 13, 33, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. It was important enough for Jesus to talk about the kingdom of heaven that he taught 
about what the kingdom of heaven is like. So in 1333, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until, all, until it worked all through the dough, which means that if done well, the culture of the kingdom of God will spread across the entire world. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom is a gift from God, and we should be willing to give everything up for it. Matthew 13, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The kingdom pays the ultimate price to possess this pearl, the price God was willing to pay to redeem us. Matthew 13, 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into a lake and caught all kinds of fish. It's our job to cast the net and share about God's grace and goodness. And then it's his job to grow it and bring judgment. Matthew 13, 51 through 52. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out his old storeroom, new treasure, or brings out his storeroom, new treasures, as well as old. It's the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matthew 18, 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. You guys know this story. It's rooted in forgiveness, understanding our own forgiveness and what it looks like for us to extend forgiveness to those that we live life with. In Matthew 21, in Matthew uh, chapter 20, verse 1, he talks about the, the landowner who hired men to work in the vineyard, which talks about God's grace and only God's grace do we receive salvation. Matthew 22, 2, it's the wedding feast where the king prepared a wedding banquet for his son and he went out and invited everybody. That salvation is not just for a certain group of people, but it crosses all cultures. And then lastly, Matthew 25, 14 is the parable of the talents. I'm going to spend a moment here. It says again, it will, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. The one he gave five to went out and put it to work and doubled it and brought back five more. The one he gave two talents to, he went and put it to work and brought back two more. But the one that he gave one talent to dug a hole and he hid his master's money. This is a beautiful example of what missions is supposed to look like. He has given us all this gift of this understanding of the kingdom of heaven. He has gifted us all in different ways. And the question that we have for ourselves is are we going, are we bearing the gifts that he's given us out of fear? Or are we going and are we putting them to work to return them to him for his glory? Because at the end of this parable, for those that went and put it to work and returned it, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. After reading all of these stories in Matthew, I was just thinking the kingdom of heaven is filled with grace, forgiveness, mercy, purpose, redemption, relationship, truth, responsibility, obedience, and commitment. So church, friends, brothers and sisters, as citizens of heaven, this is our mission, is to live out the culture of the kingdom of heaven. The second part is that the condition of every covenant is faith. Let's take a look at some examples of the incredible faith displayed by some individuals in the Bible that had a covenant 
with God. There were moments where decisions had to be made out of obedience and commitment because let's be honest, when we have a covenant with God, it's not all an easy road. There are difficult things that he calls us into. Look at Noah, for example. Noah had to build an ark when it wasn't even raining. I went to the ark uh, encounter with my family in Florence, Florence a couple weeks ago, and I was just overwhelmed by the size of that ship. It was unbelievable. And I couldn't help but think what it was like to spend all that time building something just because God said, you're going to need it at some point in the future. That's faith. For Abraham, he had to get to a place where he was willing to sacrifice his son, Isaac. What a thing to have to process through for a son that you've long waited for. For Moses, he had to leave everything that he knew and go and lead the Israelites out of captivity into the promised land. And we all know the struggles that he had to go through. I would imagine how many times he tried to back out of that responsibility, but he stuck with it. For David, the condition of his covenant was to be faithful towards Yahweh, and he had to fight many battles to obtain the throne of Israel. And then there's Jesus, who had to take on flesh and come live a perfect life, a blameless life, and die a brutal death so that we can have salvation. See, a covenant doesn't just take faith, it takes commitment. Many of us would define faith as leaping into the darkness of the unknown. But I recently read a quote in a book written by Mark Moore, uh, who's a pastor of a church out in Arizona. He said, faith is walking in the light of understanding who Jesus is and what he's asked us to do. That sounds so much more encouraging than having to just close your eyes and step out, of, step out into the unknown. But if we understand that we're in a covenantal relationship with God, that we're actually walking in the light of what he's asked of us, not into the darkness. We're not walking aimlessly or in fear or in the dark. We're walking in the light of understanding of who Jesus is and what he's called us to and that we are to live in and participate in the culture of the kingdom of God. God demonstrates his fidelity and we give him our loyalty. That means we're willing to do anything. Hebrews 13, 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. So what is that? What is our home? What is the culture of our home? For those of you uh, that are raising families or have raised families, you set a culture of your home. The culture of our home is faithfulness. A simple exercise that can transform our vision or practice of faith is that every time we read the word faith in the Bible, replace it with the word faithful. It almost always makes the passage clear every time. For example, in Genesis 15, 6, Abraham had, had, it says Abraham had faith in the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Instead, what if it said Abraham was faithful to the Lord and he counted, counted it to him as righteousness? Or think of it in terms as, uh, as a marriage, which is also another covenantal relationship. If a husband says, I have faith in my wife, that's a compliment. But if he says, I am faithful to my wife, that's a commitment. The condition of every covenant is faith. Faith can sometimes fluctuate with our emotions and circumstances, but faithfulness stands firmly on promises. We are to be faithful to our duty as missionaries. And then the third part, and this is the part that I constantly have to remind myself of, it's the most encouraging part for me, is that God sent the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, in Acts 1, 4 through 8, it reads, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I find it interesting that he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised you. The thought of the Great Commission can be really overwhelming. There have been times in ministry where I'm working like a madman, expecting to bear fruit because of my actions and my effort. I remember coming home one day, uh, about five years into our ministry in, in, in the Dominican Republic, and I told Audrey that I was frustrating, and I, wanted to, I was frustrated, and I wanted to go home because I didn't feel like anything was happening or we weren't getting through to anyone. And she reminded me with tears in her eyes that we were exactly where God wanted us to be. And that day I was also reminded that I was trying out for the wrong role in the movie. I can work as hard as I want, but the reality is it's the Holy Spirit that transforms people's lives. In 1300 BC, the Mesopotamians developed something that would forever change their lives and many more generations to follow. See, they had a desire to grow their ability to do trade and travel over large distances, both on land and on water, more efficiently in order to enter into commercial relationships with other societies. Up until 1300 BC, they had to row boats long distances. They had to walk or ride donkeys to get over large stretches of land. Could you imagine the time and the effort that they had to put in just to do business? Then they, they discovered the power of the wind and decided to do something with it. They had always had that resource, but they discovered the power of it. So they invented the sail. We all know the power of the wind. We have seen it pull trees out of the ground, wisp homes away, and sometimes just a soft blow can cause us to, to tumble. For those of us that play sports, when the wind's behind you and you're, at the, and you're at the plate hitting a ball, that's a good feeling. Or if you're standing up to tee off playing golf with the wind's behind you, you take advantage of that extra, extra strength. The Holy Spirit is described as wind a few times in the Bible, and God has promised us the Holy Spirit, but have we truly experienced his power? Are we working too hard to live out the Great Commission on our own accord? Are we tirelessly rowing only to look back and see that we haven't really gotten very far? What would it look like for us to raise our sails and let the power of the Holy Spirit lead us as kingdom workers? I was reminded of this recently. The Great Commission can be simple. Walk with people as you walk with Jesus. Before long, they'll meet each other. The word go in the Great Commission can be translated as as you go. So as you go about your life, make disciples. I can tell you that this has led to people giving their life to Christ, committing their lives to full-time ministry, overcoming addictions, being baptized. Those are all results of individuals like you and like me meeting the Savior of the world and responding to the covenant. So let me finish with this. My hope and prayer for all of us is that we truly understand our covenant with God, that we live faithfully in that covenant and that we raise our sails and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. When we lose sight of the covenant, our discipleship can easily deteriorate into rules we keep for God rather than responsibilities we fulfill for the good of his household. Our, our household is in heaven. Let us live our lives in a way that thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth that is in heaven. 
Let us pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you went to the cross so that we can have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Thank you that you have promised to bless us so that we can be a blessing to those that are around us. Thank you for fulfilling your covenants. Jesus, I just pray that as we move from this place, that we may understand that we are missionaries, that we are called to go out. For some of us, it might be next door. For some of us, we might have to pack our bags and move. Lord, but whatever it is that you're calling us to, help us to be faithful to the mission that you've called us to, which is the redemption of your creation. Thank you for inviting us into that. We love you, and I just pray for this church as they continue to be strengthened and encouraged to be kingdom workers. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.